What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Compile Swift podcast. I'm your host, as always, Peter Widdham. You can find this podcast at compileswift.com. In this episode, I'm going to catch up on a few of the news items, and I'm going to tell you about some cool tools that I've been using and some things like that. Let's go ahead and dive in. So first of all, yes, Apple released new hardware the, with some M3 chips. No surprise at the name, right? I think the thing that's worth noting here is the whilst the performance, you know, and this is just my opinion, the performance, of course, is much better as you would expect every time anybody releases new hardware. But in reality, when you look at the numbers, you start to wonder if we're starting to reach that kind of plateau that you do with, you know, all computing things where eventually they become more of a, a maintenance release than anything particularly stunning. And what I mean by that is, you know, any of the M chips at this point, the Apple Silicon, they're all so good that you start to wonder, okay, you, you know, what are you going to do for next year? Because apparently we need to release new chips every year. And that's not just a knock on Apple. That's everybody, right? Because you want to ship new units. But the problem is, what do you do when it's kind of like phones, where they're all so good that people stop and go, you know what? I don't need a new one every year. What I've got is more than good enough. And that's kind of where I'm at, right? Not to say that if you offered me an M3 Mac, hey, I'll take it. Anyone? Anybody? Nope. Okay. Um, but my M1 Pro Max, my 14-inch, it still performs above and beyond realistically anything I need. And therefore, I don't need to upgrade. I didn't see the need to upgrade to an M2. As far as I can tell, there's no reason for me to upgrade to an M3. Again, that's not to say that it's not worth it, but when you have this situation where everything is so fast and so good, and it's very kind of incremental builds every year, you, you ask yourself, okay, if I've got one of these, maybe I need to wait a few more years, a few more cycles before I need another one. And that's kind of a problem for Apple, right? Because when you produce, in my opinion, truly stunning hardware like the Macs, what do you do year on year to keep shipping those units? And we're kind of seeing this with the iPhone as well, right? And, and probably with the iPad. When they're all so darn good, what do you do every year to convince people to keep buying a new one, keep upgrading, right? Because that's really what we're talking about at this point is I would imagine it's more folks upgrading hardware than it is necessarily buying a new whatever it is for the first time, in this case, Mac. Now, of course, personally, hey, I'd love to see more people switch to Mac. That's just my opinion. For the most part, right, especially when you're talking development community, it's really about upgrading. And at what point do you say, you know, what I've got is more than good enough. And especially with all the cloud builds services and everything else these days, it's more than good enough. There is not a bad Mac out there. Even the lowest spec is truly amazing, right? And that's kind of where I'm at with this is, so what are you going to do every year, right? You, you don't need to keep shipping new chips, but you kind of do because you're a company and you need to make money. And uh, same with phones and, and tablets and everything else. So it's going to be interesting to see. Now, the other thing here to, to mention in the news, which kind of relates to this is, one thing you do is you raise the price 
of some of the other services that you offer, some of the other hardware, whatever it is that people use, and you know that you that they're locked in and you can do it. And that I don't mean that in a critical way. I mean that, you know, from a business perspective, that's what you do. And that's what Apple is doing. They are raising the price of some of their services. I think most of them, in fact. And, you know, in particular, there's two that hit me. Well, actually, realistically, there's one that hits me because I have the family plan. And so, you know, I have Apple TV Plus and all the stuff that comes with the family plan. But it's really more than anything to get the storage. And, you know, yes, I think Apple storage is expensive, just like most folks do. But, you know, when something's costing me like $23 a month, and now Apple's raising the price a couple of dollars to $25, I think it is, approximately, um, you know, that's what you do. You raise the price of something else to try and offset where you're seeing a bit of a dip, a bit of a flattening of the curve, right? And I think that that's what's happening with iPhones. And, you know, so Apple's like, well, we've got to keep the investors happy, and I get that. So we've got to keep boosting those profits. And one way to do that is to, to raise the price of a service, which, you know, in this case, I'm like I say, I'm talking about the, the family plan, but they're really chain updating the pricing on most services. And I kind of got two opinions on that. One, you know, uh, from a business perspective, yeah, you got to do that, right? Um, everything gets more expensive over the time. It's just the way it is, unfortunately. You know, on the flip side, if I'm paying approximately $23 for something and I really need that service and really value that service, I'll be honest, it's not going to bother me greatly to pay $25, right? I'm not going to suddenly go, you know, hey, I thought this was a fantastic service for $23, but I really think you're asking too much to make me pay $25. I mean, it's just not going to happen. I get it. It'll happen for some folks, but you were probably looking for ways to stop paying that anyway, you know? Um, so in my opinion, the, the price change, it's really not that bad. And, and I'm okay with it because, you know, the greatly value those services and I'm, I'm fine with it. But that's how you, you know, when one curve starts to flatten out, you've got to find a, a way to make it somewhere else. Now, something else that I've been thinking about recently, too, is Xcode Cloud. Uh, I'm still not using it. And a lot of folks I know uh, have played with it, and, and they're not using it either. Now, if memory serves, I think the free tier plan will be expiring sometime soon. Um, I forget the specific date, but I'm wondering if they're going to extend that. I would love to know if... Xcode Cloud as a service is going as well as Apple hoped or better. Um, or, or maybe it's not going so great and they look at it and go, you know what? We need to keep giving some incentive for people to try it out. So that'll be interesting to see. So I've not used it enough to really know whether I feel it's worth paying for. I would imagine if I was a big production house, it probably is. But the problem is you can go to so many other great services, right? Like BitRise is a very well-known one, very good. Uh, you know, that that's almost kind of a direct competitor right there for Apple. Sometimes when you look at these things, you go, you know what? This third-party service um, is financially a better option. So there are other options out there. And a lot of folks I know now are also taking 
those old Macs that they have, again, referring back to the first item I spoke about, you know, there's no bad Mac these days. And then using those old Macs as build machines or servers or both. Um, and that's another option right there, right? If you are in a situation where you don't need to take it out, you know, or you're not allowed to let that source code wander out to a third party service for, for whatever reason, um, that's another option. Find an old Mac that I'm, you may have somewhere, turn that into your build machine, put it in a nicely ventilated closet somewhere and forget about it. Now, of course, eventually you hit the problem where it won't be able to run the latest X code because more and more the latest X code needs the latest OS and it's all part of a whole conspiracy theory. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, or is it? Um, but anyway, so eventually you won't be able to upgrade that Mac, but it'll probably, if you've got an M chip, it'll keep you going for a while, right? And so that's, that's something else I might talk about there. But I also want to talk about tools. I have been using, um, yeah, I've sort of been embracing AI a little bit more than I have been. And I'll put some links in the show notes. A fantastic tool. And I'll sort of dangle the carrot here, as it were. I'm going to be talking to some, some folks soon, um, very soon about some of these tools. But, uh, developer duck is the, is the name of the app. And I'll put a link in the show notes. And it works, it integrates nicely with Xcode. And I have been playing around with it for refactoring my code, uh, just making my terrible code better. And also, uh, the, the surprising function to me that works really well is I can select some of my code and say, document this for me. And it goes away and analyzes it. It uses ChatGPT. There's, there's a free version and then there's a paid uh, version. Hey, and you know, as I always say, support your developers, right? Support your tool makers. Um, the free version uses ChatGPT 3.5, I think it is. And the paid one, I believe, uses uh, 4 or, or whatever the latest version is. But I've been using the free version just to evaluate it, you know, for purposes of the podcast and that. But I'm, I'm going to go all in on this because it does a wonderful job at documenting code. I'm truly shocked how good it is. And it does a great job, too, at reformatting and making my code. I was playing around on the live stream the other day. Uh, you can find the live streams at compileswift.com forward slash live stream um, or twitch.tv forward slash compileswift. We're playing around with it. And, um, you know, it just so happens the developer of the app was, was watching and we were having some fun with it. And I took a bunch of I took a, a purposefully built. I'll say that. That's my excuse. Really bad long if statement, right? We've all been there. If, if else, if else, if else, and so on. You know how it goes, default. And I took the whole thing and put it in developer duck and said, make this code better. And it did. Of course, you know where this is going. It made a switch statement, but it made a switch statement, simplified it and made a function for the function call with the, the, the repetitive code. And you know, it doesn't sound like a big deal. You, yes, you may have eventually thought of it yourself, but this thing did it in a couple of seconds, right? Developer Duck did it in a couple of seconds. I put my code in um, and away it went. Well, okay, full disclosure. I put some of the code in. It didn't work. That was my fault. I should have trusted the tool and put the whole thing in <laughs> because as soon as I put all the code in, it worked beautifully. So, hey, that that's user error right there, right? Um, but these tools... Like developer Duck and then they're really coming along nicely. 
and it is very well worth you spending time looking at them. All the usual warnings, of course, right? Don't just trust an AI tool. Take the code, put it in, and, and hope for the best. Make sure you understand the code that you're putting in. I'll put that out there first of all, right? But also take advantage of these tools. Even if you're just using it for documenting code, it, it's great. I mean, it, it did a beautiful job at explaining to me exactly what my code did. And, and you know, it's like, great, six months from now, I'm going to be glad I did that. Um, I'm, I'm almost tempted to write some kind of macro or something that's like, hey, document the code when I save the file. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But uh, a brave new world, right? So that's very interesting. Now, along with that, I have been playing with um, some other AI tools. And uh, another one that I'm using here, and again, I'll put a link in the show notes, Mac Whisper which I can basically use to transcribe my podcasts like, hey, this one. Um, and what I do is I can either do it in real time or I can give it an audio file and it will transcribe it locally. And it does an absolutely stunning job at getting it really accurate because you can choose different levels of complexity, basically. Basically, it downloads different models to your machine and that's how it's able to do it locally um, and depending on how much space you have you know you might want a two gig a three gig file whatever uh, but it is unbelievably accurate and then i can just what i do is and i'll probably do some videos or talk about this but i take that transcription i put it in bare notes gosh i love bare notes don't you um, and then i use another tool to then say hey uh, make this code better uh, sorry, make this documentation better. And one of the ones that I'm using now is, uh, again, you can find this on the beautiful, wonderful Setapp service. If you're not using Setapp, I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, you know, hundreds of tools at this point. Just go to peterwidham.com forward slash Setapp to get yourself started. And I'm using one on there called Elphus, I believe it's pronounced. And it's an inline tool and it lives in your system tray or basically I can just select a bunch of text and, and you'll see a little elephant icon and um, I can tell it, hey, make this text better in the voice of and I can pick whatever it is, you know, professional, friendly, viral, whatever. Um, and it does it absolutely incredible. And so it's made transcriptions possible for the podcast. And on top of that, my favorite audio software company of all time, Rogue Amoeba, shout out to Rogue Amoeba, have just released a transcription block that I am testing to you right now as I'm recording this uh, through, um, you know, Audio Hijack Pro. There's a transcription block. And as I'm recording locally on my machine, it's going to transcribe uh, as I do it. Well, after I've finished the recording right there in Audio Hijack. So shout out to those folks. We'll see how that goes. So that's just a few catch-up things there, some news. But I really want to talk about some of these tools because, you know, as developers and content makers and that, um, these are super useful to us and they're only going to continue to get better. And so embracing them and learning ways to make life better for yourself is definitely the way to go. Uh, that's what I got for you in this episode. Like I say, it's kind of a news and everything else catch up. I have some interviews on the way, 
that I think you are going to find truly fascinating, just like all the ones in the past. And I'm very excited about these. So, uh, you know, if you haven't already, follow the podcast. Costs you nothing. That's the good news. Um, but if you want to say thank you, uh, you can support the podcast, right? You just go to peterweedham.com forward slash BMC. Uh, buy me a coffee. Just buy me a coffee to say thank you. You know I love my coffee, folks. And uh, with that, I will speak to you in the next episode. It's been helpful. You know what to do, folks. I'll see you there.